welcome to the Mindsight Podcast. I am Rishita Jalab, your podcast host and a mental health activist. This is your safe space where we'll be talking all about mental health and personal development. I am excited today to have an amazing person that I have met on LinkedIn and I was drawn from the very beginning to her energy, positivity and the messages that she was sharing. Today I'm glad to have with me Rachel Brackenmiller and Rachel she's a speaker, facilitator and the CEO of Unmuted and she's been featured on over 40 podcasts and um, you know, she has a master's degree in health science and a bachelor's degree in psychology. Hello, Rachel. I'm glad to have you today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here for, for this conversation that we've been so excited to have. So I'm, I'm glad to be here with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Rachel, um, today I wanted you to um, also share your very inspiring journey uh, with me as well as the audience. Um, Rachel, recently you had an accident. Um, mm-hmm. How did that change your life and what did you feel? And please just share with us your journey from the very beginning and how did you feel until today? Yeah, well, so it was about um, six weeks or so into COVID hitting. So just like everybody else, I had some version of my life turned upside down um, when the when lockdowns were implemented. So I, at that time, was only seven months into starting my own business as a full-time speaker. And so about 80% of my gigs got canceled or indefinitely postponed. And so I had to suddenly pivot and take 100% of my work virtual. Um, and I, I was able to do that pretty pretty quickly and start to build some momentum. So I was feeling pretty good about pretty good about things. My husband and I were out on a run um, near our house and we were crossing over an intersection that we commonly cross over and the light was red and we had a solid white cross signal. It was a Sunday afternoon, not many people on the road. And as I approached the intersection, there was a a Chevy Silverado stopped in the right-hand turn lane. And um, my husband had gone across ahead of me, maybe 10 feet or so ahead. And then I followed him all signs said that I should. And then out of nowhere, this truck decided to take a right-hand turn directly into me. And I ended up um, on the ground in the middle of the intersection and just wailing, wailing in pain. It took me a moment to realize I'd been hit. Um, And, uh, you know, I was just screaming out and my husband ran over. He had actually seen the whole thing happen because he turned around just as it happened and, and just you know, kind of felt helpless. He couldn't do anything to stop it. Um, and I was taken to somebody called an ambulance. I was taken to the hospital and found out that I had suffered a compression fracture in my lower back uh, as a result of um, the force of the accident. And because it was COVID, I was in the hospital by myself. So I was in the, this trauma room with blinking lights and beeping sounds without my phone, without a TV, really just with my thoughts for nine hours. And my husband couldn't come see me until I was released. And, you know, I was in a lot of pain. I was really shaken up by the experience. You know, it was very, it's very traumatic to be a, a human and get hit by a large vehicle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, it was just, it was, it was really scared. I was scared, you know, I was really scared. And, and I remember there was a moment um, 
you know, in the, in the hospital where I had this, this angel, <laughs> her name was Ashley, who, who came in and, and was the first voice of reassurance that I had that, you know, let me know that I was going to be okay. And she had suffered um, brain lesions in her late teens and had to have surgery and relearn how to walk in her early twenties. So she was speaking from a place of experience. Um, yeah. So I, I started the healing journey, went home late that night, was in a back brace for two months. I, you know, no bending, lifting or twisting for four months. Um, I was you know, having muscle spasms and I was just really fatigued. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I was very reactive and irritable. You know, your nervous system gets out of whack when you're in an experience of trauma. And, um, and so for me, it's really just been this journey, one of, of being open to letting people help and support me. And I'm happy to share more about that. Um, if you want to go there. Yeah. Rachel, you mentioned that you were alone nine hours, um, without phone, without the support of, you know, your beloved husband mm -hmm. with just your thoughts. Yeah. How was it? And <laughs> what, I mean, with the pain, we can only imagine that as humans, we don't have support and we don't have phones or anything. What was your reaction and what kind of thoughts you had on that specific moment? Mm. And what I see is that just after um, these nine hours, they were so deep and intense for you and crucial. God sent you this beautiful human who shared, you know, her story yeah. and from, you know, a similar place. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've never been asked that question, um, but I'd have to say, you know, I had a range. I had a, I had a roller coaster of thoughts. I mean, some of the things when I first got in there before, you know, I was waiting for three hours before I even knew what the prognosis was. Like I didn't, I didn't know, I knew something was very wrong. I didn't know what it was. And so I had a very non-empathetic radiologist come in to say, um, so in fact, yes, you do, you do have a fracture in your back, which when you're 36 years old and you hear you have a back fracture, like that's, that's terrifying because you assume surgery is the only option. And, and so I remember just lying there and thinking to myself, I would sing. <laughs> so I sing, I know you know this. And so I would <laughs> just to give myself something to do between tears, of course, um, you know, I would just sing out just to myself and this trauma by myself, you know, like Hakuna Matata lines from that. And there's a song called uh, uh, Waymaker that is really inspiring to me. Um, and I also remember thinking to myself, there's something, and I think speakers and writers and just healers have a tendency to do this, that when, and I think some people might call it spiritual bypassing, but when I was laying on the, the on the bed in, in the room, I was thinking to myself, how am I going to use this? Like, there's something here about getting knocked down and rising back up. And I had, I had a belief that I would rise back up from this. I didn't know how long it would take or what it would look like, but I already was having those kind of meaning making thoughts in my mind of trying to figure out what am I going to, what am I going to do with this? Like this did not happen for no reason. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a story. And wow. In, in times of, of darkness and in times where we face challenging situations and somehow 
whether it's thinking or something else, and somehow spirituality gives us that that space, that relief, mm. or just you know that kind of like um, sense of uh, ease, or there is something out there that I need to just hold on, because I know that it's it's not it's not the end. Yeah. So, wow, I and I hope that you will. Uh, sing for us uh, whether now or throughout the end of, of this uh, podcast episode uh, yeah I mean the song that I was singing to myself it was just to like elevate my own mood frankly um, because because I was just feeling a sense of real sadness you know so yeah. one of the songs that I know people are familiar with The Lion King is my husband's favorite Disney movie and I've, I've seen it on Broadway twice so I, it's a great movie um, but the song Hakuna Matata. So I'll do a little bit of that um, for a moment. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. So that's one of my favorites. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful voice. What a beautiful voice. <laughs> wow, thank you. I really enjoyed it. You have yeah. such a beautiful voice, Rachel. Yeah. Um, you're, you're an amazing person and talented in, in so many ways. Okay. And this will lead me to the next question. It's like life, as you said, sometimes throw at us events or some challenging situation but everything happens for a reason as cliche as it sounds but with you sharing what what's next after these deep intense nine hours what 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 really happened next mm-hmm. i know that you had to spend um months without also moving mm-hmm. which is an intense and, and a painful experience um, so how, how that was and what really made a difference for you? Well, a couple things. And one thing I want to share for anyone listening that likes to sing, whether or not you're good at it, there's actually like a mental health reason for doing this. So I just want to say this really quickly, cause I have been singing a lot, like a lot more, even since the accident. Um, there's a, a, a part of your nervous system called the vagus nerve that starts at the base of your brainstem and goes all the way down to your digestive system. And when we activate the vagus nerve through things like humming, singing, chanting, what we do is we also turn on the parasympathetic or the restful branch of our nervous system. So there's actually mental health and emotional health reasons um, to give yourself permission to to sing. So singing can be a form of self-soothing. So I just wanted to mention that as as an aside, because it's connected to to mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, because um, later on, as well, um, I recently I connected with with uh, a good friend. We had a good chat, and she mentioned that um, she started doing a therapy, and it was um, a poetry therapy. Mm. So um, you know, we often sometimes we don't give these um, beautiful little um, things the right importance, like singing, humming, or chanting, or even, you know, for other people, uh, poetry, because she's into it. Yeah. Um, 
So this is a call for um, the audience, you know, to just give yourself permission to enjoy those little things, either it's painting or baking, whatever you find it therapeutic for you. And it depends, of course, on, you know, your case, your help. Um, so just it's about finding the joy or also what gives us a sense of ease and hope as yeah. well for what is coming. Yeah. Yeah. That creative expression is a way to discharge stress. And we don't often think about that, but creative expression is a really powerful way to do that. So, you know, I, it's funny, I had several friends send me coloring books. People just, I mean, I, I was just overcome after the accident by the amount of support I received of people reaching out, um, you know, people sending cards, people wanting to, you know, the day after the accident happened, a woman um, locally who I was on a panel with about employee engagement, never met her before and like had an extended conversation. And she said, I want to set up a meal train for you and your husband. So you don't have to worry about meals for the next month. And and like a lot of us, I, I had this, this immediate um, kind of desire to, to shut that down and be like, no, we're fine. We don't really need help. Like, we'll be okay. We can afford it. And I realized that was just me trying to block love that was trying to pour out to help me at a time where, you know, I don't think I realized how difficult that season was going to be, but somebody else had the foresight and generosity and thoughtfulness to say, no, this is, this is a hard experience to go through and we want to help you. And so I just was, I received this outpouring of love and support in tangible ways, in spiritual ways, in emotional ways, in relational ways, people checking in, people sending coloring books. I did have a lot, did a lot of coloring. Um, I also watched probably hundreds of hours of TV because I was in a recliner and you know couldn't couldn't do a whole lot, um, you know, especially in those first several weeks. But the gift I'd say, one of the gifts of this experience. Um, has been the healers that I've gotten to meet through the process of the recovery. Um, mm -hmm. A physical therapist who has just been tremendous and optimistic and has given me more confidence in my body. And, you know, I'm still eight and a half months in. I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm maybe at about 70% of where I was before the accident. So I still have some room to go, but I've come a really long way. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was um, difficult, but I'm really glad and happy that you made all this progress and really praying for you, um, you know, to really get back 100% um, like you were before and even more exceed maybe, you know, your power and the strength that you had before the accident. And it's just wonderful and fascinating as much as we hear bad news and that, you know, everything that is out there on the news that people are hating each other. Mm -hmm. But in reality, when we face difficult and challenging situations, we sometimes are amazed by the amount of love that we receive. And as you said, it, there's something weird about us that sometimes we literally block yes. everything that is coming toward us love so why do you think as humans we tend to kind of like block or not ask for help mm. whenever it's needed why do you think we do that 
I mean, I'm like, I know why I do it and why some other people I've talked to, it's we don't believe we're worthy of it. I mean, so much of it is, I think, rooted in our ability to receive love from ourselves. And if, you know, I think that's one part of it. I think another part is that for so much of my life, I internalized a belief that my lovability was predicated on my achievements. So if I achieve enough and I'm impressive enough, um, then that will somehow bring me to a place of acceptance and love. And so I've been a you know high achiever, high performer my whole life. Um, and society celebrates people that accomplish things and win awards and do excellent work. And so, you know, I fit right into that. But what I noticed, and this may be helpful for folks listening, is that one of the greatest gifts of this journey for me has been finding there's a therapist that I see um, who is a somatic therapist. So she does mind-body integration, um, especially important for trauma work where the two are so connected. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting across from her. I see her every week and I'd had some major breakthroughs in that experience, but there was about maybe a few weeks ago we were talking and, and I was sharing of this tendency I might have to feel insecure to compare myself to other people or to, or to discount myself um, and assume that, that somebody else is somehow better, more impressive, more interesting. Like all of us have some form of an insecurity that, make mm-hmm. make us diminish ourselves and so i was sharing that with her and and so she asked me to share about an experience that i was really proud of and i said well you know several years ago i was named the number one health promotion professional in the united states by a professional organization that certifies people that do the work that i do and and she just had this moment where she did where she just fully um fully celebrated that with me and she she just was like wow that's amazing wow, that is just incredible. Like she like fussed over me, you know, and I just, we can feel awkward when people do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And constantly part of somatic therapy work is inviting the patient to, to constantly come back into their body and notice, right? Where are you feeling that? What are you feeling? So if I'm, if I'm upset, you know, where, or or angry, where I often feel that as tightness in my chest or tightness in my throat or some form of hunched over position in my body, And so I can really readily identify the symptoms and the body language and feelings, visceral feelings associated with fear and anxiety and anger. Um, But she asked me as she was mirroring back to me the celebration of a proud moment. And she said, so where are you feeling that in your body? And I sat there for like at least 30 seconds just trying to connect to my body. And I said to her, the only thing that made sense at the moment, which was, I don't feel it anywhere in my body. Like mm-hmm. I've gotten really good at becoming familiar with mm-hmm. the feelings of these fear and, 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 and anxiety and, and worry and comparison and jealousy and not enoughness and all of that. I said, but I am so quick to move on from an accomplishment because I just expect myself to be successful that I don't ever really embody the experience of what it is to even celebrate myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting, Rachel. And wow, I mean, as I said, I mean, in the introduction, you're an amazing person. Um, and it's just, you know, what is fascinating about us human beings is that, as you said it and as you describe it, we focus so much on our insecurities and we do not really celebrate our successes and our achievements. Yes, you find on the social media a lot of posts and celebrate your achievements and all that blah blah blah, mm -hmm. but when it comes to uh, really, I mean, practicing and embodying and celebrating and taking in our achievements, we do not do that, Rachel. We are not good enough because we always need to do better. We always need to do, you know, we're always thinking about what's next. Okay, I did this. What's next? It's like we don't give ourselves the permission to at least taking in and celebrating these moments. Yeah. And then I think if we can't do that ourselves, this is something I'm learning about myself. If we can't do that ourselves, it's really hard for us to genuinely do it for other people because like we need to experience these range, like this range of emotions in our own inner world. Um, and, you know, I, I was on a call this week with a mastermind group I'm a part of. And one of the things that came up in the conversation is I was sharing the struggle of mine around insecurity. And it's funny because I can be super confident and bold in certain areas of my life and genuinely feel that way. And at the same time, have an experience of deep insecurities in other ways. And so I was sharing, I said, you know, I'm not even sure where it comes from because like, I know that I'm loved. Like I have a lot of, I didn't always feel that way, but I, when I, I burned out and got mono four years ago and the experience of recovering from that really helped me open up in my interpersonal relationships and friendships and to be more honest and to seek support through therapy. And that was really a, a catalyst for me that carried through into this healing journey, you know, but I, I realized that and it was reflected back to me that the person said, well, I'm hearing you say there's a lot of love around you, but do you really fully love yourself? Mm -hmm. It's a tough question. <sighs> yeah. Cause you want to think that you do, right? Like all of us want to think, oh yeah, of course I love myself. Um, and there's certain aspects of myself that I, I'd say that I really love, but when you don't feel accepted by other people for, or you don't feel like those that are closest to you are, to, are, are all that attuned to you and get you, there can be this sense of feeling almost lost in yourself. And, and I think for a lot of my life, I have felt that way. I have felt misunderstood. I have felt different. Um, and you know, there were times where I would celebrate that, but I think at other times it almost felt like a defect. Um, and perhaps some of the achievement was a way to overcompensate. I mean, a lot of us that are focused on achievement are often, not always, but often <laughs> substituting that for something um, because we think it's going to get us love and approval. And, and I have been in a journey of learning that I can be loved of, loved by, and 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 approved of, but more importantly, accepted by people, regardless of anything. I mean, there's people in my life they don't even they they celebrate what I accomplish. They don't actually care if I accomplish anything more. They just like 
me for who I am. And I'm more intentionally surrounding myself with people like that, that I don't feel the need to impress or put on airs for that I can just be myself with. And it's vulnerable and scary and uncomfortable, but it's so healing. So, Rachel, how therapy helped you in your journey and how you feel that, can you even imagine um, yourself right now without, you know, taking the necessary steps and meeting this amazing healer? Uh Honestly, well, no. And, and the interesting thing is, I think our body has this way when we're going through a healing process that it will prioritize oftentimes the most obvious pain first, right? So for me, the most obvious pain is you have a fracture in your back and the bone has to heal. So priority number one, stabilize, and then physical therapy to like basically teach myself how to get comfortable moving in space again. And that was the priority number one. And then I had an issue with my ankle that I had to get checked out over a period of a few months. And in the midst of that, I was like, I know that I'm, I've, I noticed I was a bit more reactive. Like somebody would drop something or accidentally bump me and I would like freak out and be very reactive. And a friend of mine said, well, you know, having a high level of reactivity to loud noises is indicative. That's like a symptom of PTSD. Um, and so that was sort of the catalyst to be like, all right, Rachel, check this out. So interestingly, the first therapist I reached out to um, didn't end up working out um, because the form of therapy she was going to do, I was told I should not pursue um, because of some other things going on as a result of the accident. And then I reached out to another therapist who didn't get back to me for six weeks. And so I was feeling kind of frustrated. And I talked to, there was actually a rabbi that I'm in a community with, and I was talking to him and he said, have you thought about seeing a somatic therapist? And I was reading, I had finished reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I would recommend every human read. Um, The Body Keeps the Score, Waking the Tiger are two excellent books about trauma processing and how it affects the body and the mind um, and our relationships. And so I Googled somatic therapist in Baltimore and I found one person and reached out to a doctor and I asked him who he would recommend and her name was the name that he sent over. And so I I met with her and in the first, Rashida, it was, it was crazy. In the first 30 minutes we were together, um, she had me laying on my back on a, like a massage table. So she does um, two forms of therapy. One, she's a licensed clinical professional counselor, and she does a practice called Rolfing, which is like myofascial kind of tissue release. Um, so I'm laying on my back and she's kind of like, you know, doing some work on the, the, the side of my right leg, the top side of my right leg. And she said, um, what are you noticing in your body? And I said, I feel like my body is resisting you. And, um, or I said, I said, yeah, I feel like it's resisting you. And she said, oh, like you want to push me away. And I was like, well, no, but I just, I just feel like it's not really happy. Like it's resisting you. And so she stood on the side of the table with her hands up in front of her, in front of her chest, like palms toward me, like as if we were going to spar. And she says, push me away. This is a request I've never gotten from a therapist. And so I sit up from the table and I push her. She's like, really push me, like make me move. So I was like, all right. So I, I did that. I did it like three or four times. And then I laid on all of a sudden I laid down on the table and I just was overcome with emotion and I started sobbing and like my body was shaking. And she said, what are you noticing? And I, out of nowhere, I did not see this coming at all. I said, I wanted to push the truck away and I couldn't. And, um, 
How did you feel in that particular moment? Oof. I I felt just this sense of like release. Like I didn't realize I had been carrying the tension of that for seven months of feeling powerless and helpless. And so one of the things that she asked me to do as part of that process, as we were working through that, one, she challenged me whenever I feel that sense of out of control to do that with my husband, to have him like put his hands up and just like, <laughs> kind of like, like push it, like have him st- have it as a stand in so that I could, you know, push, I'm sure a punching bag would work as well, but he's a good stand in. He's free. Um, so, <laughs> so the other thing that she said, um, she said, when did you know that you were safe? And I was going through, I was like, oh, maybe when I was in the ambulance, I was like, no, I didn't know it was wrong then. And maybe once I was in the hospital, no. I said, I knew that I was going to be okay. I knew that I was safe when I had that conversation with that nurse practitioner who told me her story. So there's such power in sharing our stories to normalize pain. Um, And just her simply saying, I made it through that. You will make it through this. That was when I intellectually knew that I would be okay, though I didn't know what the journey would look like. So, I mean, it has been, and then we've since unpacked other things around just my tendency to protect myself and my, this need to feel like I've had to protect myself for, for so much of, of my life. And so it's unearthed the experience of this accident has activated I think, you know, other wounds that have, that have been there and brought them to the surface and really given me space to, to process them. So I just feel, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm glad that it happened. Like I would prefer to not have back pain because I, I feel my back every day and I feel the pain and tension every day. And I would love to have any limitation removed and move freely like I did before. So I'm not going to say that I, I'm glad that it happened, <laughs> Um, but I also believe that I can choose to find as much meaning in it and as much growth in it as I choose to seek out. So I'm choosing to look at this as an opportunity to experience a deeper level of growth, awakening, self-awareness, and healing. Mm -hmm. Richard, you know, what, what stood really for me is that human connection is powerful Mm. and love has really healing power the moments that you connected and your soul connected with that nurse Mm. that moment your healing started yes so we tend to think that healing is really about you know doing the effort and physical but really healing some is something else is deeper it's it's a combination of so many things. It's the human connection, the power of love, the spirituality, and it's 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 really not only just you know us, our effort. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It's it's also those moments of when we feel really kind of like weakness and vulnerable. Yeah. They are also our moments of strength mm-hmm. because, as you said, we then choose to see an opportunity of growth and learning regardless of the pain we acknowledge that there is pain in there yes but the fact that we have the freedom to choose is really empowering itself 
It, it is. And I think what you just mentioned there is really important about the, the need for us to like feel the pain. Cause it's easy. It's easier to just be like, Oh no, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need anything. Like I'll, I'll be okay. Like to dismiss it, but to like really let, I mean, every, I cry every single time I go to therapy, every single time there's something that gets activated. There's a wound that gets, you know, um, kind of uncovered and it's painful. Like it is, it is painful to do this work, um, to, to, to turn the mirror on yourself, to, to explore places that perhaps you've kept in, you've kept hidden to, to, um, let, to let yourself go to a place where you have to acknowledge something about yourself, your experience or a belief that's, that's painful. I mean, that is, it's uncomfortable to do, but um, and it's funny because my therapist says things like, wow, you are just so courageous to be doing this. I'm like, I don't know any other way to be like, I, I, I know how painful it is to feel alone and to feel disconnected and to feel scared. And I don't, I don't want to feel those things if I don't have to. And so I view this work, you know, with, this therapist with these other healers through my spiritual community, through a journaling and reflection process, through prayer, through my relationship with my husband and even healing relationships with family members. Like this is a, this is a multi-layered process that doesn't have an end. <laughs> well, you are brave indeed. And you are brave and, um, you know, an inspiration to all of us. Mm -hmm. And, for those of you who haven't met Rachel yet, Rachel in 2020 had a car accident and regardless of what she has been throughout, she stood up and started her healing journey, but also she did not give up on her um, company and she helped other people Why she's trying to help herself as well and, you know, just go with, move forward with her healing journey. Rachel, it was also a good year for Unmuted. Tell us a little bit about Unmuted and how people could reach out to you as well. Yeah, so I know it's it's interesting. I, I think if someone had told me in September when I launched, they said, all right, you're going to launch your business and then seven months in, uh, the globe's going to shut down. You're not going to be able to do live engagements and then you're going to get hit by a truck, but you're going to have your best year ever. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd be like, what are you on? Like, I... So really, I think a lot of it comes from, I have a tremendous amount of grit and tenacity in me that has developed. I think it's been there for a lot of my life, but I, I have this desire and this bend toward figuring things out and not staying stuck in a mode of being a victim. Like I have this belief, I have this strong sense of agency of I can make things happen in my life as a result of the decisions I make, as a result of the support that I pursue. And so, you know, I started, it's right when COVID hit, you know, a, a week in, I had a client reach out to me and say, hey, our employees are, are struggling with their um, emotional and mental health. Do you do virtual training? And to be completely honest with you at the time, I did zero virtual training. Um, but like any good entrepreneur, I wrote back and I said, of course I do. Let's have a conversation. And I, you know, I've been, I've been in the well-being industry for 15 years and I, you know, I have the background in it and I've been speaking about, you know, uh, beating burnout and, and how to have stronger mental and emotional and social health for years. 
And so what started to happen was people that already saw me in that way started reaching out to me. So associations, organizations are reaching out to me and say, hey, our people are struggling. And then I just started, you know, I just started doing, I would do free webinars and I would, um, you know, I spoke for free at a lot of places just to get in front of people. And then eventually the momentum built, and I have a, you know, I think a lot of people experience virtual learning as, as boring, eyes glazed over, when is this going to be done? Like, secretly watching their email email on the side or checking it and not really paying attention. And I, I knew that as trained as a professional speaker and as a, you know, I'm a singer and, and as trained as a facilitator and I can bring a lot of energy from behind a computer screen. And so I started to realize that that combination of things of, of the experience that I had, the topics I spoke about, the knowledge that I had, the personal journey that really supported the message and my comfort in doing work virtually that I started to, to, to really, I think, stand out. And so, I, yeah, I delivered over 100 virtual learning experiences focused on um, resilience, growth in the midst of adversity, um, intentional leadership, you know, unmuting yourself and using your voice to advocate for yourself and what you need and for your career. So, you know, working with all kinds of people from, you know, leadership teams to associations. I did keynotes and, you know, helped teams experience connection and collaboration and idea sharing and sharing stories of meaning and purpose together, whether it was in, you know, healthcare or marketing or education or finance or accounting or engineering. I just got to work with thousands and thousands of people last year and support them by giving them hope and practical tools and insights that they could use to basically recalibrate their brain, recalibrate their nervous system, and just let them know that they weren't alone in what they were going through. So I really felt so purposeful in the work I was doing last year. Brilliant. And what a year. I mean, you're a brave lady and an amazing lady. And also, I mean, what can I say? Chapeau bas, like we say, bravo. And what a, an inspiring person and entrepreneur. Um, so um, for the audience or anyone who would like to, you know, uh, find Rachel, I will uh, link down um, the website and uh, well, just, you know, do not hesitate. Yeah. Re reach out to either of us. I mean, we love hearing from people about you know, what resonated with you? What maybe were you prompted to do? Maybe it was to search for a somatic therapist. Um, and that's S-O-M-A-T-I-C, search for a somatic therapist. Or maybe this will spark you to just um, to start singing more, to do some form of creative expression or to get more rest or to show yourself some compassion or to to lean, to ask people for help or to receive the help and love people want to give you. I think our, our hope in coming together and having this conversation is to be a catalyst that perhaps unlocks something in you that you've been maybe holding back on. So, you know, feel free certainly to, you know, connect on LinkedIn, sharing stuff like this every day. And then if I actually have a resilience toolkit too, people can download if they go to unmutedlife.com. So um, I just have so enjoyed being with you today, Rashida. Thank you. Um, and really, I'm really deeply honored to have you. And I'm sure everyone who will listen to this episode, uh, they will find, I mean, for sure, um, so much to learn, so much wisdom and mm -hmm. inspiration and a call 
to really reach out, to not be afraid, regardless of what you're going throughout. Know that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, just go with it. Either therapy or take a course or find a coach or find your support network. You deserve healing. And, Mm. you know, um, Rachel, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a it was a joy and a pleasure. And um, thank you for the important work that you do. Um, thank you. The pleasure is mine. And for the audience, please be kind to your body, mind, and soul. <laughs>